Thanks for joining us today on the Jesus Famous Podcast with Pastor Nate Holdridge, where we discuss ways in which we can see Jesus famous in our lives. Today, we'll be discussing the book of Nehemiah and taking a look at how God renews his people. All right, Nate, I have a very important thing I need to ask you about. Who are the beachcombers? Oh, man. <laughs> You're going way back, you know. Um, they're a... They're a a very um, underground hip hop band, <laughs> super underground, and uh, crazy skills. Yeah, yeah, crazy skills. Yeah, if you can get your hands on Beachcomber stuff, <laughs> you have a little slice of solid gold. Solid gold. How do you know about the Beachcombers? <laughs> <laughs> well, I am one of the founding members. I will admit. Thank you, Daniel, for bringing this out in my life. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people don't know, but it, it, the Beachcombers, they're not on Spotify, oh, but uh, I do have some stuff that I'm on another guy's album, and I'm not going to say who it <laughs> okay. is, uh, but um, yeah, I've got some stuff back in my early 20s, and uh, you know, God has blessed me with um, a deep, rough, baritone voice, and not only that, but uh, I like to fancy myself a pretty dope lyricist. Yeah. So yes, I do have some. Uh, I do have some <laughs> tracks out there in the Spotify universe, and uh, good luck finding them. All right. But yeah. But, well, from one lyricist yeah. to another. Appreciate <laughs> it's a it. pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, we just got <clears throat> done yesterday doing the book of Nehemiah. Going through this series has been a huge blessing for me, just even in my personal life, like just seeing and overcoming like what Nehemiah has overcome and just like applying that to my life. And I'm sure everyone that's listening to the messages are doing the same thing. Yeah, that's cool. To and hear. one of the things that you spoke about this past Sunday was overcoming distractions. Mm. And so that just like really hit me because being in a world right now, where everything, you're hearing voices from everybody and far in between. How do we overcome distractions and just solely focus on the Lord when we're just like planted firm in a world of distractions? Yeah, it's challenging, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so what are some of the types of distractions that you face more, most strongly? And maybe that'll help me advise you. So personally, and I'm sure a lot of people deal with this too, is just the distractions of social media, the distractions of the online internet, yeah. you know, always wanting to be in the know, the trendy, and just always hearing voices. I noticed mm -hmm. that if you have a platform, then you're always going to be taking in information. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't tee me up like that, Daniel. This is like one of my favorite <laughs> subjects. People are tired, tired of hearing me talk about this. Uh, yeah, man. I just, I mean, I don't want to come out and just be like, a, I don't believe in social media, you know, kind of yeah. person, uh, because I do have an Instagram presence. I do check in on it here and there. Um, I write lots of stuff online. I'm obviously, you know, a champion of and believer <laughs> in like the audio word, video word. I love using technology to get the word out. That's what yeah. we're doing right, right now, you yeah. know, this very moment. Uh, but for me, it's always just required a lot of discipline because um, I do have an easily distractible mind. You know, yeah. I remember when I got the first iPhone, I just it was like I was utterly unprepared for the level of pull that that device would have on mm -hmm. me. And um, even, you know, back then it wasn't even 
as robust as it is today, obviously, with all the different distractions yeah. and different social media services that are out there and all that kind of stuff. And I've always been an early adopter of stuff too. So when new technology or new platforms get released, I've like jumped into them. So I'm usually one of the first people in and one of the first people out. So (laughs) I was one of the first people I knew that was in Facebook. And I was also one of the first people out of Facebook. You know, I was one of the first people in Instagram. And then, I mean, not one of the first, but you know, like I was interested in that first wave. And then I got out. I'm actually on my like second uh go of it you know and this time it was like hey you know i'm not here to just be you know wasting lots of time i'm a pastor and teacher i have things that i'd like to share and say and if there's a group of people out there that would like to interact with that then i'd be willing to do it and then god raised up people to help me post all that stuff and just basically like I, i never post anything myself and it's not because I'm, you know, like in Nehemiah's story, you know, he, he wasn't being self-important. It was his mm-hmm. mission that he thought was really important. So for me, I just realized like, that's not really my mission yeah. to be spending a lot of time in that, uh, area. So it's always taken a lot of discipline. Um, Cal Newport has a book about social media. He's not a Christian, but anybody who really wants to, like, if you're willing to take, mm steps and measures to really get that under control in your life. I think that'd be a great place to start. It affects you, you know, is the thing. I mean, it's not just a a time waster. It really does shape your brain. Yeah. And and I don't mean just, it does shape your opinions for sure. It might solidify your opinions. It might make your opinions more extreme. And that seems to be what it's doing to a lot of people these days. There's no room for conversation and nuance. Mm -hmm. It's just quick platitudes and like really polarized camps. So it might do that to your mind, but it also affects the wiring of your brain. They've actually studied that quite a bit. So when you are someone who's, you know, for, for me, what I realized is like to do what I do, I have to think for a long amount of time about the same thing. I have to mm-hmm. think linearly. I have to work out problems. I have to be a scientist of the biblical text yeah. to be able to do what I do. And I just realized that when I started reading the studies that were coming out, like uh, there was a book called Hamlet's <clears throat> Blackberry or uh, The Shallows and books like these began helping me realize like it's not just shaping the way I'm seeing the world, but it's actually changing the way my brain works. So when I'm reading it, when I'm reading something, I have this now hyperactive desire to click elsewhere and go Mm -hmm. look elsewhere. And it, it, uh, doesn't necessarily destroy, but it harms your ability to think deeply for a long period of right. time. And I think that's such a Christ-like thing to need to be able to do. So uh, not to, you know, pontificate about it too much, you know, <laughs> but that's a that's a real big one to get yeah. a handle on in life. So I'm not saying that someone should give up, you know, social media, but I, I really like, I don't think that it's good to say if there's any utility 
in something, then it's worth whatever cost I have to pay. So obviously there's the utility of like, I can know what my old high school classmates are doing on various social medias. Like that's kind of cool to be able to do that. It's neat that we live in that kind of time and environment. Whereas, you know, a hundred years ago, that was just not a thing. If they weren't in your town, you probably wouldn't know really what they were doing (laughs) unless they hit it really big or something like that. So there's utility there. But the mistake we make is to say, because this helps me keep up with grandma, um, it's worth the destruction of my brain. Mm. And it's like, well, (laughs) would you really say that like having your brain, you know, derailed is worth keeping in touch with your grandma? Maybe there's some other ways (laughs) to keep in touch with your grandma. Yeah. So I've always had more of like a walled garden kind of approach Mm. to things like social media. Like, so... Um, that so there are windows in time that I'll hop on and check out what's going on, and then other windows, bigger win- windows in time, where I might have my devices set up in a way where I can't check in at mm. that time. Yeah, so I use a, a, a <clears throat> subscription to a service called Freedom, which does what it says. It sets you free, but it sits on all my devices, and I can just program certain periods or blocks of repeated time that keep me off a certain thing. So you could literally, if you wanted to set that up to say on Fridays for 45 minutes from one to 4:45 PM, that's when Instagram is available mm. on my phone. And then the rest of the week, every time you push that Instagram button, <laughs> it like closes right away yeah. and there's nothing you can do to, uh, t- to turn that off. So things like that have been beneficial yeah. to me. And I- I've written an article about it called how I use my phone. Mm. So if people want to check that out, it's kind of a detailed thing. I'm weird about it for sure. <laughs> you know, I go through, go through phases yeah. where I have my phone in black and white all the time. Oh, yeah, same here. I'm pretty like strict with it. Uh, but it's not because I'm like, uh, think I'm better than anybody. It's actually because I think I'm worse than most people. (laughs) I'm so prone to the distraction that I just know if I don't aggressively deal with this for myself, then I'm going to have a hard time keeping control of it. So if I see somebody like one of my kids on Instagram or something, like I don't think twice about it. I'm not sitting there thinking like you are destroying your life, you know, or anything. Mm -hmm. I just knew what it was doing to me. I couldn't handle it. So Um, but that's a really important distraction. A lot of people are sucked into in our modern time for sure. And I like how you said that it's constantly changing our brain and that's what the Bible does too. When we're focused in the Bible, like it's the living word, it's going to change our hearts. It's going to change the way we think of things. And so even like Nehemiah, like constantly being in like the presence of the Lord, just seeking the Lord and everything, it changed his heart but it also gave him the opportunity and the ability to like what you said, say no. And yeah. I liked that to say yeah. no to the voices around you. Like that's the most powerful thing we can do is like to say no. Yeah. I think we're in a culture today that is heavily on people pleasing. Like mm. we just want to please others. We want to like do what we can to be in the limelight or, you know, make other people happy. And like saying no is strong. Mm. It's powerful. Mm. And so I really liked that, that point. Yeah. And, and I want to develop that heart like Nehemiah to say no yeah. as well. That's a good word. Yeah. yeah that, that, that word is so important. And, and that's interesting that you bring it up that way. Cause you can't, if you're a certain personality type, or I think what you're kind of communicating has a little bit to do with your generation, mm-hmm. you know, the feeling of like, I can't decline. You know, I need FOMO. to, I, yeah, I got FOMO. <laughs> I, I'm by the fear of missing out. It's a very real thing for yeah. a lot of people. And, um, 
but I, at least for me, I find what happens when I say yes too much is um, I end up resenting a little bit those that I've said yes to mm. as if they should somehow know that this was too much, you know? And it's like, yeah. how do they know that? They're, they're graciously and kindly giving you that invitation and hopefully it's being done with the maturity to say, you know, this is your choice mm -hmm. if you want to say yes or you want to say no. And I realize a lot of people aren't like that. You know, yeah. when they give you the invitation, there is an expectation that's yeah. attached to it. And that's a whole other level of unhealth. And if you're that kind of person and you're <laughs> right? listening to this, stop it. You don't want to be that kind of person. Uh, but, um, yeah, that's, that's just a great way of, of saying it. And really, I think a lot of that comes back to the identity that we have before God. Mm. Because if who I am is the sum total of how people feel about me, then yeah, I'll say whatever I need to say to yeah. get people to feel a certain way about me, to say certain things about me. But if my identity is wrapped up in who God is and what he says about me, then I have a level of protection yeah. from that um, people-pleasing kind of spirit. Maybe yeah. the fear of the Lord, like we've been talking about recently, maybe that's a little bit of what the fear of the Lord is. Right. You know, I'm, I'm respecting what God says about me, so I just don't think I have the time to do yeah. this or the bandwidth to do this. Yeah, that's good, especially like being rooted in that identity. What would you say to people who <clears throat> I'm sure are all struggling, like trying to figure out who their identity is mm -hmm. when it's not even rooted in Christ, and they're just like, you know, all the, I know I had it when I was like a high schooler and like, oh man, who am I? I got to go out and travel and explore to find who I really am. Mm -hmm. But it's like, when you have Christ, you kind of figure out who you are, mm -hmm. like your identity becomes in Christ. But what would you say to people who are just kind of entering into their relationship with the Lord? Like, how does one find their identity in Christ? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, I'd say it's, it, it will be a struggle for the rest of your life the battle for that identity because there mm -hmm. will always be voices that are willing to come right in there and say, no, this is what life is really about. Um, but you, you know, you turn on the television or, you know, watch YouTube or whatever, and just spend a few minutes seeing the commercials that exist. They're appealing to all these different versions mm -hmm. of identity that are being preached to us. So beauty, you know, if you can be beautiful, you will be happy or, um, or, you know, physically appealing, you know, you will be happy or wealth. If you attain to that, you will be healthy or healthy or virtue. If you're perceived as a virtuous person, you mm -hmm. know, who is about all the right causes, you will be happy. And if you attain these to these things then you'll be satisfied. But the problem is, is that those things always come back to bite you. So the beauty is not ever everlasting. Mm -hmm. The, right causes eventually they turn right on you and you can't always be about all the right things you become overwhelmed or the you know wealth you know you realize it really doesn't bring you the joy or the satisfaction that you thought that you needed or people you know experiences mm -hmm. it's about other people and friendships and relationships you know the classic beer commercial you know <laughs> right. playing playing volleyball with my beers you know yeah. just with a bunch of good looking people we got it all <laughs> you know kind of thing but the reality is just that, first of all, that's not the real world. Yeah. But secondly, they just leave us empty. But those pressures will always be coming up against everyone, including young believers that are just still trying to figure out what their identity is and mm -hmm. what it should be wrapped up in. 
So, I mean, obviously one answer that I'd give is, well, the word is what helps us understand who we are. So the parts of the word that are most helpful, I think, are the epistles of Paul, specifically books like Romans or um, Ephesians or Colossians. Those three books are very strong in communicating a Christian's identity before God. So I would encourage reading those three books of the Bible, Romans, Ephesians, and Colossians, along with all of them, obviously. But then I would encourage a person who's newer in Christ to try to find good biblical teaching on those three books of the Bible, because someone who's able to explain those truths to you will help make those truths alive to who you are, Mm -hmm. and you'll be able to apply them much better than if you just kind of read through them on your own, although nothing could replace interacting with it on your own. But those three books of the Bible especially are real strong in this is my identity, Romans, Ephesians, and Colossians. Yeah. And it's interesting how you brought the perspective of like how we view ourselves based on society, because that goes right back into what you're talking about, Nehemiah, the three lies, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And I think it's, I loved when you mentioned that we pass the candle from candle to candle, and that's truth because it slowly just comes into flame, but lies are like a wildfire. Yeah. And so when we believe in those lies, it just becomes chaotic and just out of nowhere. Yeah. And I think recognizing for people to recognize the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, to like go through life and actually recognize, oh, I'm doing that. Like once we recognize it, then that's how we can change yeah. it. Like kind of like when Nehemiah was praying, I loved how you mentioned he was praying for strength, not to say, hey, Lord, just get me through it. You know, yeah. I think when we approach the Lord with this reverence of like God's going to get us through it, but he needs to we need his help. And I loved how like that that connected with me of like praying for strength rather than praying like okay just take care of it lord mm-hmm. i feel like a lot of us you know believers today just kind of do that yeah. like you know oh lord just we need healing so just please bring healing and you, but no lord help us to get through this time help yeah. us to get through this and like i feel like a lot of believers today kind of approach it like that um like what would you what would you say to changing your mindset on like your mm-hmm. prayer life? Yeah, it's like, kind of like how a, Nehemiah would have it. Like a parachute prayer is like <laughs> yeah. the just get me out of this, you know, <laughs> right. be my parachute, my emergency, you know, I gotta jump, I gotta get out of this situation, versus the like help me pilot this ship, yeah. you know, this airplane out of disaster. <laughs> or, you know, a, a parachute prayer versus a you know, like M sixteen prayer, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you strengthen me for the war, you know, I yeah. know what's coming. Um, and, um, yeah, so a shift in mentality, I mean, honestly, I think a lot of it uh, for me has to do with who you're listening to, who you're allowing into your ears, because there are strains of Christianity that do promote a real, like, um, God is working in my life. And what that means is he's, I got healed or Mm -hmm. I prospered or, you know, things like that. And it might be like full-blown prosperity doctrine where it's like as blatant as if you have enough faith, you will become wealthy. It might be that, or it might be like a subtle prosperity doctrine where it's just, 
you know, Hey, we're like good looking. All of us are good looking and all of us are like healthy and all of us have money. And it's not maybe even like directly said, like walk with Jesus and you're going to get those things. But it's kind of like in a backwards way, that's what's being communicated. And so it's a little bit of like prosperity light. So what you want to do is you want to look for people and listen to people, pastors, teachers, podcasters, other Christians, friends Mm -hmm. that talk like that, that talk like, you know what? I realize that I want God to heal me, for instance, of a sickness, but I'm also conscious of the fact I don't know what's best for me and my spiritual man at Mm -hmm. all times. I don't know what I might do with a newfound physical health or what stupid sin I might enter into. And if God wants to protect me or make me a witness of him to enjoy the fellowship of his sufferings, like Paul said, then I'll submit to that, you know, and I'm asking him to strengthen me through that. Mm -hmm. That's what you want is you want to find people that just talk like that, think like that, and surround yourself with those types of folks. Because when you're in the other environment, the, the that kind of perspective is just so foreign. You yeah. know, it just kind of, it's like alien to that line of thinking. Like, why would you think that way? That God might allow you to remain unhealthy physically. That mm-hmm. he might allow you to remain in sickness. But, of course, the reality is like, well, I'm just applying the gospel appropriately because the day is coming where I, yeah, I'm going to get better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, no matter what my physical yeah. illness is, I will be resurrected, but I'm not expecting that it's going to happen on this side of eternity all the time. So yeah. I'm open to it. I'm praying for it and I'm trusting God with it. That's what the walk of faith is about. So right. I think surrounding yourself with people that, you know, have that perspective, that'll be very reinforcing for your you know, own Christian life and experience. I don't know if anybody reads anymore these days, but stop (laughs) reading books that are highlighting the opposite of what I'm saying and find good, you know, Christian authors. But yeah, I mean, those, those pressures, those lies, you know, from first John two 16, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes of pride of life or the temptation to feel the temptation to be and the temptation to have. Those are very real. I remember hearing Rick Warren one time talk about, when he was raising his children when they were little and a nickel was worth something, <laughs> he would give them a nickel whenever a commercial would come on the radio when they were driving around or on television when they were at home. He would give them a nickel if they could properly identify which one of those three the commercial was using to try to manipulate mm. the person viewing. So is that the desire to have? Yeah. Is that the desire to be? Or is that the desire to feel? And, you know, very early on, they were training their minds to be able to pick that out. Yeah. And I think that's a great one for us. I mean, like, perhaps you can be scrolling through your Instagram feed and kind of be going like, what's this one? You know, what's this one? (laughs) What's this one? Because a lot of times those same messages are being pitched at us in our modern, you know, kind of tools of media. Yeah. And recognizing that like is the first step of, okay, this is how I defeat that. This is how I overcome that. And I like how Nehemiah, (laughs) he replaced, was it Tobiah? (laughs) When he recognized like, this isn't working, I'm going to replace it. (laughs) And so I loved that, that thought of, you know, I, I even remember hearing like, how do you fix a habit? You know, it's changing your mindset 
and then replacing it with a better habit. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that is, that is just so, I think it's something that we all need to do is just learn to replace some of the, the ungodly things in our life. And I like how you approached it with, if we're listening to something that is not justifying to the Lord, replace it with something that is justifying mm-hmm. to the Lord. It's, I like how you approach it in a way of don't cut it out, you know, like completely yeah. just, replace just it. yeah, replace it with something yeah. that is going to be glorifying to the Lord. Yeah. And I think that living in a world where the word influencer is like, it's, it's like the word of the 2020s now. Yeah. <laughs> I think replacing some of the things that we hear and listen to is, is something that is going to change our hearts immensely. Yeah. Yeah. And so taking that next step, we recognize what's wrong. We need to replace it like Nehemiah. Just get rid of it. Replace it with someone that is godly, godly voices, godly influences. And that how would you describe that as like a daily habit? Like you also mentioned taking every thought captive. And I think those kind of go hand in hand, like mm-hmm. taking it captive replacing it with what the Lord says. Like, how do we go about doing that? Like every single day? Yeah. Yeah. It's, <clears throat> you know, everything that you're saying and thanks for, you know, listening to the sermon so well, but, uh, yeah, that, that replacing kind of thing. I was real kind of hesitant with the way that I phrased that part of my teaching because, there is like a line of thought out there where people will quickly label someone in their life as toxic, mm-hmm. you know, who is maybe just challenging them or is, you know, um, shaping them a little bit or is just harder for them to deal with and is good for them to have in their lives. And of course, there are going to be people that aren't even healthy yeah. that we're still called to be in relationship with and be Jesus to. So to just quickly dismiss someone as, oh, you're a Tobiah, you're toxic, I got to get rid of you, you know, kind of thing. I was real nervous about that. But I do think that the voices that we listen to and build our lives on, we need to be careful about what we're listening to and what we're allowing into our eye and ear gate. So... Um, you know, the rip, the replace kind of thing. And then I was also just really cautious because I'm definitely like, I, I don't want to give the impression that I am a person who is against, for instance, just like pleasurable, um, mm-hmm. things that, that culture, whether it's believers or not have created, you know, like to me, there's something beautiful about good food or good movies or good music. And it, doesn't have to be specifically Christian in orientation. I love just good art. I think all of it points to ultimately the Lord. Sometimes mm-hmm. people are surprised to hear, like, I, I really don't watch like very many Christian movies. They just don't like resonate <laughs> with yeah. me. You know, like I, I just got done watching the maid with Christina. Like it's a Netflix 10 part show about yeah. this young woman struggling with abuse and, and, um, homelessness and just the struggle and uh, it had been recommended to me by someone who I knew kept it real and um, you know I just I really enjoyed like that depiction of yeah this is this is reality this is what a lot of people are dealing with and knowing some of the things I know behind the scenes about social services and the problems in our community it just really resonated with me it wasn't totally like enjoyable to watch you know like a funny episode or something but <laughs> right. it, I appreciated it you know but it wasn't Christian in orientation and it definitely had solutions to the problem that were 
I know going to miss the mark because they're not ultimately rooted in Mm -hmm. the Lord. But I enjoy like thinking about those things and trying to figure them out as I'm going through them. And for me, I I just don't get as much of a kick out of watching like fireproof or something (laughs) like that, you know, and, and whatever, you know, a lot of people do like that and appreciate that, but that's just not me. So I didn't want to give that impression, you know, like get rid of, you know, stop (laughs) watching, you know, Marvel movies and instead watch like I don't even know what the Christian <laughs> alternative would be you know I didn't Bible w- man yeah Bible man <laughs> I didn't want to give that impression um but there is something to that there are things that mm-hmm. kind of like grate against your your yeah. soul you know I find like in music especially there's a lot of great music out there that is you know Christian in orientation or or music bought that Christians have written and performed but it's not necessarily like overtly Christian or is not written and performed by Christians but it's still really good music and then there's stuff that kind of like crosses the line for me where it enters into stuff that's like man like lyrically or like the emphasis the underlying mm. tone is just like it's either sexual sensual or the pride of life kind of like you know it's about you you know kind of thing and when those things start creeping in for me i've realized like okay i gotta cut that off because that's not uh, that's not who i am that's gonna harm me you know yeah so i forget your question that you asked (laughs) you're asking how to uh how to make that shift or how to yeah like um like what would you say is the first step in and kind of replacing some of the the things in our life that we recognize, hey, this isn't the most godliest thing. Yeah, I think the first step has got to be um, a real quiet and deliberate honesty before the Lord, right? I mean, just a a willingness, like a willingness to let the Lord be the one who inspects our lives, you know? And um, that should not just be a one-time thing, although this could be a, like a moment in time that a person sits down and just says, you know what, I just want to think for a moment about what I'm, what I'm allowing into my brain space mm. and <clears throat> just pause and kind of like think about, you know, maybe the content itself, maybe the volume of the content as in like how much Am I going there? You know, maybe it's like it's stuff that's fine, but it's just too regular in my life. And it's like, there's no time for, you know, uh, other things. Like, I mean, as a, as a pastor, I feel like one of the things I need to do is I need to read. Mm -hmm. So I, I realized pretty easily I could, I could read zero books a year uh, with all the distractions that are out there. So it takes a measure of discipline to say like, no, uh, I do enjoy just kind of tuning out for a little bit and watching a good show, but I got to make sure I have time to actually read, you know, and Mm -hmm. I might want to, or need to read a little bit more than the average person would, but I've been greatly benefited by, you know, having that habit in my life. So someone might want to just step back and ask some of those kind of questions, evaluate, but with the Lord. Yeah. And that's a key in it because to evaluate without the Lord, you know, 
you're basically saying I'm the ultimate judge of my mm-hmm. life <laughs> and you don't want to be in that position. Yeah. You want your good father in heaven to be able to speak into your life. So it might take some, you know, honesty. It might take some conversations with other people. It might take a conversation with a mentor or more mature person in Christ and to kind of like, honestly, like open the books, so <laughs> right. to speak, you know, like, Hey, uh, this is the amount of time I'm spending here and this is what I'm doing mm-hmm. here. And, um, but I think it's just a real honesty before God. And then once that comes into your life initially, that's the kind of thing you want to just continually bring to the Lord over and over again. So you want to have a culture before God yeah. of honesty where he's able to at any moment say, hey, that's too much. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, that was not the right material for you to be about. You need yeah. to walk away from that, you know, and to have that constant rhythm in your life where he's able to in the still small voice speak to you in that way. Yeah, that's good. And and as we wrap up, I loved how it concluded with Nehemiah. We talked about him building the wall and he didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Instead, he just kept pursuing. And so I think that's such an encouraging word for us today as Christians that no matter the distractions, we know that Jesus went through distractions. Jesus walked the life that, you know, we're going through. He was faced with everything we are faced with today. Like, don't, don't say anything. Just focus on God and keep going through the work. Like it's not done yet. And so I thought that was a really good word. Oh, that's good. Yeah. It's, there's just a, a point where it's like, man, I got, I got no time to be tussling with this. I just got to move forward and, you know, being a, being a pastor, I've had to get better at this over the years, you know, throughout the whole chapter, you know, I mean, even though Nehemiah did say things to the previous three groups, you know, and Mm -hmm. didn't say anything to Tobiah, the things he did say even were just like very focusing, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like the conversation's over, like I'm moving (laughs) forward, you know, kind of things. And, uh, you know, I've found that in, in the ministry, you know, pastoring in the church, there's a lot of distractions that I'm invited to into Mm. constantly, you know, and a lot of pressures and things that people would prefer that I do or that I don't do. And, uh, you have to, as a, as a believer, you got to get really strong and saying like, this is what God has called me to and asked me to do. And of course, if it ends up being the wrong thing, then I want to be correctable. But once, you know, with proper godly counsel and, the word backing me up, the inward um, witness of the spirit in my own life and all of my team, my good people around me saying, this is what you need to be about. I got to do that. I got to be about that. And I can't be deterred from that mission that God has given. So, you know, whether it's a quick rebuttal like Nehemiah did at times or just like the, well, not even that's going to work. I got to just keep moving forward. You just keep moving forward in the calling that God has put, you know, on you, on your life individually. We pray that today's discussion has blessed you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, subscribe, and share so we can continue to reach people and make Jesus famous in our lives and the lives around us. Until next time, God bless.